Our topic this morning is nature, not hills and trees and skies and stars, but there are two natures, and we want to talk about nature. Now, first off, I, I want to qualify. There are a lot of definitions to this, but what we're talking about are the primary definitions of nature. The essential character or constitution distinguishing quality or qualities mm -hmm. as nature of steel or the nature of love. There are things about those that qualify them. The, then also its substance or essence of a distinct species or kind as one's physical or spiritual nature. So, and God set these things in order. You'll, you'll see all of these things are, are demonstrated in the things that can be seen, the things that cannot be seen. <clears throat> the spiritual nature of something is is our primary consideration this morning. Or it's the innate or inherent. It's inherent means it's firmly infixed. It it it's got a seat there, it's it's rooted there. It, things proceed from it. Things don't make it what it is, it makes things what they are. Uh, an inherited or innate character, disposition, or temperament. Okay, now those are the things we want to think about when we're talking about nature this morning. It's hardly surprising that nature is at uh, the foundational level of understanding salvation, which in turn is the only means of knowing God. Without salvation, we can know about God, but the sense in which we must know Him if we're going to abide with him in heaven is this this uh, this connection this personal experiential knowledge of God and that's only through salvation now if you don't know God's nature and you don't understand uh, the nature of men whether they're godly in their nature or they're ungodly in their nature you're going to have a hard time making sense out of salvation. Yes. Uh, I think it's safe to say that every created being or thing was originally made in harmony with the nature of God. Yeah. Amen. So uh, we know that because he pronounced everything that he made. It was good. It was good. It was good, and then finally it was very good. And we know that even even Satan, whenever he was Lucifer, he was perfect in the day that he was created. So God, everything that God made, it, it had a purpose of God that it served. It was obedient to the will of God. It was... It was um, something that God could take pleasure in. So now that's the, if you want natural, that's the natural state of things as, as God made them. Now, 
with Satan, though, uh, not with Satan, with man. We have to look beyond the beginning. We're going to actually talk about that at the end of our discussion this morning. How big this is. We tend to be, uh, and not not to be faulted at this, we need to look at these things too, but we tend to be a little myopic whenever we think of salvation. We kind of pull it all in, and this is what we see right here. So, and it's important to see that, but it's not only that, because God is, He includes that and is much larger also. In Jude, uh, verse 10, I've just got some scriptures here and I'm going to start tying these things in with each other. Jude, uh, verse 10, no chapter needed. It says, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Now, there you have the nature of the unregenerate person, man. Whenever we look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 through 12, it it tells us that, that Christ took on himself, and notice, it says specifically, he did not take on the nature of angels. But it said that he took on the seed of Abraham. His nature was the same as his father's. He never did have a sinful nature. He said, I and my father are one. And at no time was Christ tainted with sin. In him, the nature of God was fully intact. Yes, Brother Given. That was more than an agreement. Jesus was in agreement with God, but it was more than that. He was one with the one in nature with God. That's right. That's right. He that he was uh, tabernacling in these yeah. these vessels of clay like us. Which meant he was, he put himself in reach of the world and of the things that are in it. But he stayed clean of it because his nature was the same nature as the Father's. Now, Ephesians 2 and verse 3, it uh, talks about us before we were regenerate, among whom also. We had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Mm. By nature. Now there are implications to that. We, if we are sinful, and fallen by nature, then a person has got to conclude that there is nothing we can do to help ourselves. That's right. What we need is bigger 
than what we can produce. And it's got to go back even and take care of what had been corrupted. We've got to be made clean, thoroughly clean. Now, at the fall, a, a fundamental transformation occurred, one that required a recreation into a new creature, separated by the old by death. Now, why by death? Because we have, uh, in the curse, we have the lesson here that at death, there is a complete cutting off. There's no reattaching. You know, I hate the story of Frankenstein. I hate it. It's so ungodly that things dead can be patched together and be made alive. And it's just, if you want to call that living, but like, I don't even want to see a picture of it because it's so disgusting to try to take something that's dead our old nature, and think you can patch it together and give it life by giving it the appearance of life is a thoroughly, thoroughly disgusting consideration. Far be it from us that that thought should, should be, have any place in our thinking. It's completely impossible. What is dead is always dead unless something external to itself can give it life. Yes. There is a major philosophy in humanity that man is basically good. Yeah. And then there are sayings like, there's a little, there's good in everybody. Yeah. And that's their philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, it's age, and they live a while, then they become, eventually become, we improve with age? Yeah. That, that's what, that, that's the doctrine. That's some, some of the uh, Catholic charities. That's their basic postulate. Yeah. Boys town. There's good in every boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds good. It just isn't true. There's There are things that, uh, that people, even unregenerate people, do. It can be advantageous. They can they can be helpful. They can but see if these things are not wrought in God. If see, we're not just talking about earth earth to earth, man to man. We can't if it doesn't transcend that and go man to God. Well, then it has no eternal significance, no eternal benefit. If if you give a, a cup of cold water. In the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Whatever you do is unto the Lord is received of God if it's brought in Christ. That's that's the good. Yes. Anything good or purposeful or helpful that man does eventually gets old. Mm -hmm. That's why it all has to be updated. Amen. Amen. Any, any advantage is just temporary that comes from man or technology or whatever. Any advantage is only temporary. Yeah. And it's corruptible. Yeah. Pardon? It falls short of perfection. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, 
so many examples. We're, we are in a sea of examples of these things. Remember the rich young ruler that came to Christ, and he addressed him as good master. What was Jesus' reply? Why callest thou me good? Now, everything Jesus did was good. He really was good. But it had to be seen why he was good. This young man, if he had, if he had really seen what Jesus answered, he wouldn't have walked away sorrowfully. He, Jesus said, there's none good but God. So when we call each other good, this is an earthly standard. And this nature of ours demands that we not interpret things by the earthly nature, but rather by the heavenly nature. That's what I meant when I said it was a foundational corruption. The fall was foundational at the bedrock. Man was no longer a, a right image of his creator. He had fallen short of the glory that God gave him at creation. And we can't recover it by ourselves. God gave it. Man ruined it. God's got to do something about it. We can't do anything about it. Now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-4, through 4, says Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now can the old nature escape corruption? Ask yourself that. Can the old nature escape corruption it can't because it itself is corrupt you know one place it said that that a proud look in the plowing of the wicked is sin it's not that plowing is sin what made it sinful the plower whenever a sinful person a corrupt person a person dead to god touches anything, even something that in and of itself is not, you know, God hasn't condemned. Everything in the earth is corrupt. But something that God could, if it was sanctified, otherwise approve of, as soon as that person touches it, it becomes corrupt. Creation was was cursed. Why? Because of Adam. The things that we have to do with, why will God not receive them? if they're done by an unrighteous person for the same reason that creation was was condemned. We are the condemning factor if we're the old nature. So much for intrinsic goodness there. But now we've been given to be partakers. 
We're not in proximity. God has received us to himself. We have been joined to the Lord. Well, God had to make us something that he could have fellowship with. What was the purpose of man in the beginning? It was to be the image of God. We can't be a corrupt image and have fellowship with God. We're putting the lie to who God is if we say we're of Christ and then we are ungodly. We're actually saying this is how God is. I'm like God and he lies and he steals and he's capricious. He, he's a truce breaker. Uh-uh. That, that is super serious and it'll not go unaddressed in the judgment. In fact, a lot of people don't even have to wait for the judgment for God to begin to, to address that. These things are serious, but they're, and they're known, but the depth of them, the implications of them are larger than, or, than what we talk about. Everything that we've been talking about here recently has got to do with what nature we bear. And we have to understand the significance of having a nature. The significance to our eternal destiny. See, it's not enough to just say, okay, we've been, we've been made new creatures in Christ and we're going to heaven. Think about the things that God had to do for that and why it was necessary. Why would God even want to do those things? So kind of takes us out of ourself. We're involved, for sure. But it takes us into a larger perimeter than just ourself. Now, Jesus self-declared himself. Uh, uh, his mission was to, quote, do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. His work. And John eight forty seven, he said, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye, the ones he was speaking to, ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Now they thought they were. And he, in that same passage, he was talking. He said, you know, you say that you're, you're the descendants of Abraham. Well, if that were true, you would do the works of your father. But you seek to kill me. I come and I tell you the truth that I've heard from my father and you want to kill me. This Abraham didn't do. You're of your father, the devil, and his works you'll do. Mother Justin. They evidenced who they were. But their nature compelled them. Amen. Their nature. You cannot, with the old nature, reach up and apprehend God at will. God has got to bring you in proximity and give you the grace and the power to accomplish what he requires. Now, 1 John 3, 8 and 9. I know we're kind of jumping around, but we're going to pull this thing together shortly. It says, he that com uh, committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For his, uh, uh, 
For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Are the, are the works of the devil completely destroyed at this point? There is good as, I mean, Christ is, is victorious. But do we see any works that can be attributed to the devil present day? Where they, have, where they don't exist, but that's, that's the catch. <laughs> yes, but see, what did Jesus say his commission was? To destroy. He didn't say the works of the devil on earth alone. He's making a complete destruction right. of the works of the devil. That at the, that whenever God calls the end of time and the earth is reaped and the dead that have gone before and those that remain are caught up together to be received and the judgment is proclaimed where God is going to be justified in all his sayings and doings where not a tongue is going to wag against what he has done and then the wicked the devil and his angels are going to be cast into the everlasting punishment of the fires of hell. Now people need to, they don't like to hear that, but it doesn't make any difference. Just because they don't like to hear it doesn't mean it's not true. Right. A wise person will accept the truth and do something with it, like believe it. Right. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There's nobody that created hell and heaven. We're not, we're not really, this, this is all a big fairy tale. Mm -mm 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 -mm. The fool the fool we would not be fools so Romans tells us that the night night is far spent he's going back to the prophets and bringing that forward the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light the works of darkness are the devil's works we're cast could we do that before? Can the old nature cast off any work of darkness? Jesus is destroying the works of the devil in his people also. Brother David? You're in 1 John chapter 3, and in, uh, in verse 10, it makes a distinction between the, the two natures. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Do you know that this would revolutionize if people saw that this would revolutionize how they walk? Yes. That whoever does does wrong or evil, it isn't just because they made a mistake. Yeah. It's because they're operating in the power of the devil. That's right. And of the old man. That's right. Mm -hmm. See, that is, there's no self-help program that mm -hmm. says that. Psychiatry doesn't say that. See, there's, there's no no one who's wise in the ways of the world says that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because the nature has to be changed. Amen. Yes, amen. Now, <clears throat> what I want us to 
to look at here is the role of the church in the work of salvation and the cleansing of things in earth and heaven. Whenever God created Adam and then Eve also, although technically she was part of Adam, he only formed one creature from the dust of the earth and everything else was taken from him. I, there was a reason for that. But the reason was not confined to earth. What had happened before the, uh, the temptation of Eve? Lucifer became Satan and was cursed. And he was cast out of heaven. Now he evidently had some concourse. He was able to come before God there in Job. I talked about the sons of God appeared and... Uh, and Satan was amongst them to accuse Job after God brought him up. But this, this defiled things in heaven. There was defilement in heaven before there was defilement on earth. And it was of, a, of an eternal nature. Whenever God made man in his own image, he was going to do something with man bigger than just what he did in the garden. Whenever, whenever man corrupted himself through disobedience and really unbelief, whenever God said, don't eat that, for in the day that you eat thereof you'll die, what did, what did Eve believe? Thou shalt not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, you'll be as gods. That's what she believed. And that's why she took the fruit and why she gave it to her husband. Yeah. So the, the, all of this stuff has got to be addressed. God will have his heaven in order and he will have a new heavens. If you, you know, everything that had to do with that that particular part of God's uh, creation, it's all going to go. Every molecule of it is going to be dismantled. There's, there's a new heavens and a new earth and new people with new natures, with a new relationship to God and everything else that has been cursed is going to be put away. God's going to cleanse it all. Right now, Christ is still working. He is still fulfilling the commission that God gave him. See, he's going to, he's going to overcome until he brings all things together into one. This is part of what's happening now with, with Make, re, making us new creatures in Christ. He is beginning to bring all things together into one. Now, we have still got, by this new nature, we have promises to us. We have empowerments. And, and we have th things that we have been given to press in and continue day by day to be 
for to let God transform us into the very image of his son according to our measure. Sister Heather. Just as God could not deny himself and he kept his promise to Adam and Eve that if they ate the apple that they would surely die. Um, we now have this promise from Jesus, whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. And see the parallel between taking in and abiding Christ and letting him transform us to the parallel to what Eve disobeyed and to what she read. Amen. Yes, Brother Norman. It has a great significance to that sin of the that came upon Eve, the temptation, because it's the three temptations that came upon Jesus Christ, it's the three temptations that come upon every one of us. Right right there at that point, right there in the garden, the nature of sin was shown. Amen. In, in all of its aspects. Mm -hmm. Amen. It was a complete corruption. Yes. So, deliverance from the law. This, this is a marvelous deliverance. Because under law, God's, I call that under God's law, as given by Moses. Under law, that something is wrong because it violated the law. Mm -hmm. But that just that that wasn't developed under the prophets and under Moses. But under Christ, it's wrong because it's of the wrong nature. Mm -hmm. It's a different. It's a different way of thinking, because if you think it's because because they violated the law, that's that's like a second tier. That's not the main reason. Then you, then it's easy to try and find excuses for it and manufacture remedies for it. But when you realize, no, that's because it's the wrong nature. Mm -hmm. If you're in a Christ. You was obeying the flesh. You was obeying the wrong nature. Yeah. That's what made it wrong. And see, God gave us examples of the uh, the lines that He has drawn. Whenever He made kinds, now this may might sound silly at first, but but I think it it bears some consideration. Is the nature of a cow the same as the nature of a wolf? Can a wolf be like a cow? Can he make himself like a cow? Can a cow make itself like a wolf? Run around in packs and attack things? No, you'll never see a herd of cows become a pack. So, why? Because God put a different nature in them. Not just a different environment. They can both be standing in a pasture, and a wolf will still be a wolf, and a cow will still be a cow. You can put them both in a forest, and a cow will still be a cow, and a wolf will still be a wolf. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, outside of Christ, our nature is old. And it'll do the things that an old nature does. The boundaries, it do, we don't have control of those boundaries. Brother David? In Romans chapter 2, it talks about the, 
people who sinned under the law. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about the, uh, in Romans 2.14, when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature those things contained in the law. Mm-hmm. They have not the law or a law to themselves, which saw the work of the law written on their hearts. So when you get a new nature, then you have the law written inside you. And if this is a greater view of not just wanting to avoid breaking the law, but if you don't want to go against that new nature that, that got put in. Well, it, there, are, there are people that are unregenerate that are against murder. I realize this is not what that passage yeah. is specifically yeah. talking about. But. But, but in that particular thing, they are closer to to fulfilling the law because they personally are against that than someone who really would like to kill but just won't do it because they're being held down. See, the, their their conscience is serving them, but that doesn't that doesn't redeem them. That takes Romans. They 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 had enough of of God's creation in them mm-hmm. to like have a sense sensitivity but well, so they'd make laws but their laws were too restrained right right it was still a law it was still a law it was too restrained but the law of the spirit isn't to restrain yeah the, the, object. yeah and the point there was their law they were constrained by their conscience on that right. whereas a person that was just restrained by a thou shalt not really didn't have conscience against it. So one is actually a little closer because they saw a little bit of something and determined that what not because they heard God say it, but they were they were by conscience doing something God would have been pleased with, not accepted for salvation, just he wouldn't have condemned their conscience. The conscience is another very important subject we need to get into sometime. Uh, going back to that that Romans, uh, that's also the, it says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. See, there's like a it's a like a double double condemnation whenever you look and you have some kind of a revelation of God whether some people all they have is seeing the power and Godhead in what's created but if they receive that whatever God has given us we have to receive says because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse god has set our times and bounds so that we might feel after him the same gentiles that made that did more moral improvement worshipped idols. Exactly. That didn't mean they were godly. 
They just meant in that thing, their their reasoning on those moral issues was were in line with God, what God said. But it wasn't that they did it as unto God. That was their conscience. Whereas the Jews, their conscience may not have been affected by the law. It They might have been, it says that they were on, under bondage all their lifetime for fear of death. If I do this, I'm going to be severely punished. Live against, it didn't say it in these words, but he commanded to live against human uh, nature. <laughs> yep. Okay, because that when they knew God, there were two times in the history of the earth when every living soul on earth knew God in some, some capacity greater than just secondhand knowledge. Noah and the, the seven that were with him, the eight souls, at the, when that boat landed, they knew there was a God. Everybody knew it. In the garden, Adam and, knew, Adam and Eve knew there was a God. Every living soul on the face of the earth knew there was God. So two times, two times, God started off with the knowledge of God besides just what the creation would tell. <laughs> Joseph, Daniel, people of this caliber, and... And King saw, they talked about their God, <laughs> uh -huh. the God of Joseph or the God of Daniel. He was a superior God. <laughs> yes. Even the heathen knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, <clears throat> in Colossians, this is that uh, the one where Jesus is bringing, oh, I want to finish Romans first, I'm sorry. It says, <clears throat> professing them, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We see that. I mean, that's a, that's a current, current verse here and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image make, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That's the divine account for the deterioration of human society. Yes. That's that's the re that's the reason. Amen. Amen. And only a fallen nature would have anything to do with that. The new nature. Uh, it's impossible. These natures are different. You're either redeemed and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now you've got that old nature present, but that's not us. When God looks at us, that's not what he's looking at unless we decide to go back to it, in which case we're guilty of it again. 
But as long as we keep ourselves clean of the earth, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So that's our condition. And while we're in the world and of God, Jesus in the saints is still destroying the works of the devil. The devil comes. He wants to use us as his tool. He tempts us. And that new creature, which has been joined to the Lord, Christ in us, the hope of glory, just like Jesus in the days of his flesh, that new creature is like its Lord and said, Get thee hence. Under, under the law, there were people that were fully con- conscientious. All of them was concerned in law. But the law didn't deal with the heart. The law primarily was against actions. But they were godly people. Peter said, I haven't eaten anything unclean my whole life, I never had. Paul says, I was blameless. I have lived blameless to this day. Yep. They did as much as, as they had been given power to do. Yeah. But this highlights how, how wicked the world, the church world, how wicked it has become. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that didn't have Christ, they only had a promise of Christ, they didn't have a new nature, they weren't reconciled to God, and they actually lived better lives. See, that's, that's very confusing to a lot of people. Like, how can these things be? And that's part of the travesty of people uh, naming the name of Christ and then putting the lie to what Christ is. I mean, you want to know the seriousness of it. Remember whenever David, uh, whenever uh, the prophet Nathan came to him and he revealed to David, the nature of what he had done. He had to tell him something. David was king. And we have, I'm not going to go beyond the knowledge that we're given in scripture. But in order to touch David with the seriousness of what he did, he gave him, uh, you know, the, the story of a man had one little lamb and he raised it in his bosom, and he loved that little lamb. And his neighbor, who had flocks, had had a, a visitor. And he went over, and he took that man's lamb and killed it to feed his company. David was incensed. He says, that man should die. He's going to die. And then Nathan said, thou art the man. Now, one thing about this new nature that the old nature cannot accomplish. Now, David was sorry, but remember, he had sinned, uh, and he was he was the leader of that nation. David's name was associated with the God of Israel in a particular way. He wasn't just associated with a nation who belonged to God. He was associated as a nation that belonged to God and a man that belonged to God. He was he was God's king. And when he sinned before the nations, God said, you've given the heathen an occasion to reproach 
the Lord. And he judged him very severely for that. Now, do you think that God is going to take people who say, I've actually, I've actually received this, the Spirit of God. I belong to Christ. He's washed my sins away. I'm a different person now. And then they go on like they never even believed. Do you think God's going to say, oh, well, it's different now? It's different now, but not in the way they want. We're guilty of a greater sin. Brother David? And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not die. How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Mm -hmm. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, then, and then that psalm that David wrote after that, he was rejoicing. When I say rejoicing, I'm not saying that there was no sorrow attendant with having this, this judgment, but he rejoiced that the Lord did not cast him off forever. So. You see how serious it is for believers to do things that aren't right, they know they're not right because there's people that haven't done what they did that didn't have what they have yeah. what they have yeah. access to that's why it's so serious there in the Hebrews there when he said that they should fall away he says they put them to an open shame and they nailed Jesus on the cross again mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's potent teaching yeah. done despite to the spirit of grace yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we, it's in the same category as whenever Jesus told those at, uh, I think it was at Capernaum, that a greater than Solomon was there, and the queen of Sheba shall rise up in the judgment and testify against them. All right, when we have, when God has, has given us, he's birthed us again in Christ Jesus, he separated us from our past sins by forgiveness through his blood. Okay. These, these people are going to uh, rise up and they're going to testify against people who have sinned with this greater thing. Is it time? Nine minutes. Okay. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Yeah, right. Walking um, according to the way of the world is denying Christ. That's yes. Right. That's right. They, That's they right. confess him, but in works they deny him. Yeah. But yeah. In the end, all those that are of the same nature will be gathered together mm -hmm. with their like natures. So God's made a distinction in that it says the dead in Christ shall rise. And what does that mean? Well, see, they're, they were, they're, when they died, they were absent from the body, but they were present with the Lord. It's the same nature, right? They were born again of the same nature. So in the end, when, when, when God gathers together, there will be sheep and goats. Nature, what kind of nature you got? You got a goat nature or you got a sheep nature? Amen. Because in the end, that's how they're going to be divided up. Yeah. And they both have different destinies, yeah. but it's because of their nature. That's right. Because who they are in Christ. That's right. And, and so, you know, the, it says we're confident, we're confident and, and rather willing to be absent from the body so we can be present with him. Why do we think like that? Because we have his nature. 
right. we, we have his mind, we have his heart. And so these things have been working in us and they already have created a distinction. So a person with a new nature, when he gets around people that don't have it, it isn't that they hate them, they're, it's, it's like abrasive mm -hmm. because yeah. they're a different nature. Yeah. You know, and so it, it makes sense when you think about how the Lord's done this, already he's, he's teaching us how to excel in this new man, this new nature. And, and as you do that, you'll find yourself overcoming because that old nature technically is still lingering in there, but it's not you anymore. That's right. Christ is working in us. Yes, amen. All right, the, uh, the last scripture that I'm going to um, bring us to is Colossians chapter 1, and <clears throat> verses 12 through 20. It's a little bit longer, but it, uh, it bears hearing. giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness mm -hmm. and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, mm -hmm. in whom we have redemption through his blood, right. even the forgiveness of sins, right. who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now, that he's the firstborn. Okay, and the church is in him. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. All right. We have been put in Christ. Everything this new creature is about is just as what Jesus was about was uh, the Father. This new creature, what we're about, is the Son. Now, it's not what we should do. That's the way it is. Now, whenever you find yourself falling in one of those conditions or the other, Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. By what nature am I doing this? And you have to be a new creature. Not we should be. We have to be. And the power of God in Christ is what made us a new creature. And by the power of that, we put down the deeds of the old creature. So... It, like I said, it's a foundational kind of thought. It's the way we, we think about each other. It's the way the truth would instruct our understanding. Yes, amen. We, we are not what we were before. We are not. There's a part of us that we're going to get rid of one day. But just like uh, I love whenever Augustine... After he had been converted and been uh, serving the Lord for some time, he revisited a, a city that he had been in. And he had been 
a prolific kind of person. He was, well, he was a sinner. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And as he came through, this woman that he had um, had some extensive acquaintance with saw him and recognized him. And she she called out after him, Augustine, Augustine, and he ignored her. And she says, Augustine, it's me. And he looked at her, he says, but it's no more I. He, he disavowed what he had been. And he didn't let it condemn his conscience. He knew that it was a, he, he was a different person. So, Brother Justin. No, you, before you were converted, can say the same thing. Oh, amen. Amen. We all say, can. And, and they, don't, they, they don't know entirely why. They just say, what happened to you? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes. All right, brethren. Well, I think our, our time has expired. And so we'll go ahead and, and dismiss in prayer. And we'll, we'll thank the Lord for the food. Our Father in heaven, how good you are to us, how merciful and how kind. We thank you, Father, for first making us of the race of man that had been created in your own image and for your own purpose. And then, Father, we give thee glory for redeeming us after we had fallen so far away. Father, for calling us to yourself, for bringing us to yourself through your Son, Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, that as we continue the day, that not only the considerations of the, the class this morning, but also the things that shall be brought to us through your servants who have labored in the word and doctrine, that we would think on these things, that we would we would look at and have conclusions, Father, that you intend for us to draw, even as you intended for men to draw from the creation, which could not speak in, in words to us. How much more when you have declared plainly through the Son this message? Lord, let us, let us uh, take hold of it thoroughly, deeply. And Father, let us do as our Lord told us to keep his word. Now, Father, we thank you for this refreshment. We pray that it'll it'll strengthen and en enliven our senses. That when we return, that we would we would be able to, with purpose and strength, receive your word. For we ask it in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen.